Hello, you cool cats and kittens. We have a special announcement. So, the music that you're hearing right now... Duh. Hopefully the music is either already starting or has started. But the music you're hearing right now is also from our writer this week. That's right, Ankit Dame is doubly talented. So, so thank well, you, he's also a photographer. So he's also he's talented. also incredibly talented. Wait, wait till you get to the interview and you'll hear. But listen to it, enjoy it. Thank you, Ankit, for the music. Thank you. How did you know what you wanted? When did you know that it was me? Sometimes I still feel like I wanted. Then I go back to feeling. Everybody, welcome to episode 12 of The Green Light. Episode 12 of TGL, The Green Light. Yes, the that podcast. is what it stands for. <laughs> <Green> <laughs> Just to light. clarify, yes. Um, yeah, welcome. If you are new here, basically... Well, who are you? Oh, I'm Lauren. I'm Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, if you're new here, we read unproduced plays and screenplays, and then interview the awesome people who wrote them. Yes, we do. I, I love my who are you. <laughs> Not meant to be <laughs> intense. Who it? it? Um, the by the singer. way, a small disclaimer for, for this episode video. only. Um, you may notice if you get all the way through that I am not in the interview portion. Ah, uh, yes. I would like to apologize for that. I, <laughs> I don't know if it was like a 24-hour stomach bug or if I underdid my eggs. I was literally throwing up. <laughs> I yeah. like came in here with a trash can and was about to do the interview and like I was like, I can't do it. I'm yeah. going to throw up on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. She, uh, she set that one out, but it's still a great interview. Uh, we have a script titled Jasmine. God, I, I totally, that name totally slipped my mind. Well, so to clarify, when uh, when this writer first sent us the script, Ankit the script Dame. was titled... Thank you, Ankit. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, it was titled Maybe Final Breakdown P- yes. dot PDF. Yeah. Um, so that, that's why the, the name keeps slipping up for us. But yes, it's called Jasmine. Well, I remember when I was first telling, you know, when Lauren and I... Uh, we're first reading the script, and I was like, hey, did you read, like, Maybe Final? And and she was like, I don't think that's the name. And I'm like, are you sure that's what the title said of the PDF? Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out it was not the name. Yeah. But it's a really great script. Uh, Aunt Kid and I had a very nice conversation. Yeah. We're pretty good friends now, I think. Wish I could have been there, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so stay tuned for that. Don't you skip out on us, yeah. whoever you are listening to this. Yeah. Um. So let me see. Some housekeeping stuff right off the bat. Yeah, just um, some quick stuff. Yes. So we launched our Patreon a couple weeks yes, ago. We did. Awesome stuff. We've already launched some Patreon exclusive bonus content, and yep, yep. we are going to be releasing a new episode of Green Lit. Yes. Uh, Super exciting. The official July episode of Green yes, Lit. Yes, the official July episode on uh, July 28th, so yes. next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, it'll just be in a couple days. Yes. Should we. Should we reveal? Well, I guess we'll already have posted it. We'll already have posted by it. Then. Uh, we are we will be watching. She's the man yes. with Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum, a classic film based off of the Shakespeare play Twelfth Night. My favorite Shakespeare play. There you go, and um, Lauren's favorite movie. Fun well, fact, incorrect, <laughs> but but it's, yeah, we it's going to be super good, be awesome. and we're gonna. So if you want to watch it, it's on HBO Max. So Please. if you have an HBO subscription, go ahead and watch it, and then you can discuss along with us as we discuss the the ins and outs of She's the Man. We're yeah. also going to be pairing it. So 
at Ralph's, the grocery store that we go to out here in LA, which is an extension of Kroger. So you probably have Kroger's around here. Yeah. So we are going to, they have a thing where you can get a six pack of beer, but you can just pick. You can mix and match. Yeah, you can mix and match. So we're going to try to find six different types of beer that we haven't had before, try them out, and then try to determine which one is the most Shakespearean of all of them. AKA the least hoppy. Yes. Because there were no hops the, in the that most, time. The most meaty, the most <laughs> ailey. Sure. Meaty with a D. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Not meaty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing is that if you have not rated and reviewed us on iTunes yet, we would love to have that. Yes, please. Um, if you want to list your detour of the week, which is a segment we will get to in just a second, mm-hmm. you can list that. We will read it. Or if you want to roast Jackson, or I'll leave it open up to if you want to roast me. Wow. Because might, you might have more to say. That's a pretty bold step, Lauren. Uh, Opening I'm... yourself up for a roasting. Uh, please don't write reviews, Jackson. I don't want yours. But if anyone else wants to roast me, I will read it and cry. I this literally, I literally was about to make a joke about me making burner accounts and roasting you. Um, you got out in front of that one, Lauren. Good for you. Yes. Uh, thank you to Vargas two four two four two four. Whoever you are, I think you might be my cousin. But <laughs> whoever you are, Vargas two four two four two four, you left us a very nice review. Not a detour or a roast, so we won't be reading it. But thank you, anyways. Yes. Um, so if you if you get out ahead of the pack when when we're not getting millions of reviews every episode, we might shout you out even if it's not a detour right. or a roast. That's so, right. So there, there you go. go. Incentive. And on that note. I think it's time to move on. Jackson's <laughs> shoot like making finger, I finger guns, guns at, at the, the mic. at the mic. So now for our lovely segment that we do every week on this podcast called our detours of the week. Our detours beep, beep. of the week. Beep beep. Well, that's new. We should add that. Meep 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 meep. <laughs> <laughs> our detours of the week, where we talk about something that we ourselves would green light. A yeah. a movie, a TV show a book, a 10-year-old video game, something yes. like that. I mean, that typically we have these things have already been greenlit, which is how we were able to watch them. Well, of course. But, but yes. s- some things that have been greenlit maybe not always should have. Yeah. So, but <laughs> so we're we're going to talk about those this week. Um Lauren, how about you go first? Ladies first. Okay. Shall we? Um well, so last night I needed something to talk about and I watched <laughs> I don't know if it's Vivarium or Vivarium, because they never say the title in the movie, but it's a 2019 movie, um, Jesse Eisenberg's in it, it's on Amazon Prime, and I thought it was going to be, like, some kind of crazy horror movie that was just, like, under the guise in the trailer of just being about, um, Parenthood being a prison, but turns out, that's all it was about. So that's it. Point blank. Um, so that's not my detour because I would not super highly recommend it. Not a fan. It was like, is there an audience that you would recommend Vivarium to? Um, certain, if you are on the the fence about being a parent and are leaning towards, no, maybe show this to your partner who wants to be a parent. (laughs) That's the audience. (laughs) Okay. That very niche audience of our already small audience. If you, (laughs) if you follow that category, maybe we should show this to the characters in our screenplay this week. Oh, true. Maybe we should show it to uh, old Nick. Yeah. Nick uh Nick might have something to Nick might have something to say. Not our producer. He'd our... probably ask his mom first. We'll yeah. talk about it. You'll get it. You'll get it later. <laughs> Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Um but my actual detour is the Little Prince movie on Netflix. It came out like a year ago, maybe. I think it came out like last summer or I'm something like up. that. That yeah, I should have looked that up. But I watched that today, um, just so I had something to talk about. 
and I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm like somewhat familiar with the book. I have not like read it. I just kind of know, you know, the thing with the boa constrictor eating the elephant, but it looks like a hat. Yes. That, 2015, 2015. As a matter of fact. Really? I don't remember seeing it till like last year. So maybe Five it wasn't years. like a Netflix original. Oh, Jeff Bridges. Is I guess course. I thought it was. And Rachel yeah. McAdams. Um, but yes, so basically, um, the the original story of The Little Prince is more of a story within a story in this iteration of it, and um, it's about this um, this girl who's living with her mom. You know, it's established later on that um, her dad left them X amount of years ago, and um, her mom is just doing everything she can to make sure her daughter succeeds. So she makes her like so many schedules. They literally move at the beginning of the movie to make sure she can go to like the best school in the area. Um, but the only way that they're allowed, they're able to afford this house that they moved to in this really bougie neighborhood is that there's this crazy old man living next door to them mm -hmm. that I guess decreases the property value. Um, hey kids. Yeah. So, so, he is, if you're familiar with The Little Prince, the aviator, um, he's the one who meets The Little Prince, and he ends up telling this story to this girl who's, you know, very, very focused, very academic, and is just trying to do her best for her mom. Um, and he sort of teaches her how to be a kid. Um, so something I really liked about this in particular is just the... Okay, Jackson, I'm, I'm talking to the mic. I had to look at my notebook Fair. for a second. Um, but the, the use of color in this movie is really strong. So... Um, so when we're in the house that, um, the main girl and her mom are in, you know, it's, there are a lot of very sleek kind of grays, neutrals, browns, blacks, you know, um, all kinds of just very sleek, clean, maybe not so interesting colors. Bland. Sure. Yeah. Um, and right towards the beginning of the movie, the aviator tries to start up his plane in his backyard and the propeller comes crashing through their house while her mom is out. Um, and that sort of serves as, you know, the initial, I mean, it's very much an inciting incident. It's something that literally like exploded into their super neat, pristine world mm. that did not necessarily fit the mold. Um, so then whenever she, you know, goes over to his house, it's very colorful. And then as she starts to become more childlike, more color is added to her. So at one point I noticed she was wearing like kind of a colorful plaid shirt. She starts carrying around this orange fox stuffed animal. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. But it's it's basically about just a sense of play. Um, mm. There were a few moments where I wept. <laughs> um, I'll admit it. Let's go there. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I mean, like, I, at one point, you know, the mom even plans what birthday present she's going to get. Like, she says that, you know, oh, well, and, you know, with the curriculum of the biology program of this school, uh, I'm going to get you a microphone for your birthday. It's in a few weeks, but it's already wrapped, you know. <laughs> um, so, like, her birthday comes around. Her mom has already gone to work to, to you know, she has to do before the house. Um, and she opens the present and it's like, a, it's a wrapped microphone, but it's clearly in a microphone shape. And then there's a box from her dad and it's like this you know, gray kind of ugly cityscape snow globe that like takes all the joy out of what a snow globe is. And sure. she has so many of them in her room. And that's when you realize like, that's kind of her, her only contact she's mm. really had with her dad this whole time. The thing that you said about the mom reminded me of the, <laughs> yeah. that part in Fleabag 
where uh, her sister was talking about the surprise party. And oh she, yeah. <laughs> she comes in. We're 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 still working our way through Fleabag. Yeah. We will we will detour it. She's when like, can you just keep in mind seven thirty on Friday? How about you just let me plan it? You don't think about it. Just yeah. just let me plan the <laughs> surprise. She's like, party. okay. And he's like, I planned it. It's done. Seven thirty Friday, my place. <laughs> it's pretty it's good. good. Yeah. It's very good. But Anyways, yeah. Continue. Um. But I mean. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say. I will say probably my only, like, not criticism of the movie, but my only criticism of the story in general is just, like, I don't know. The whole idea of, like, a little kid having a friendship with an old man, like, if they're not related, is kind of weird, IMO. And, like, there is a part where, you know, he tries to drive to take her to get pancakes, um, Mm. but then he, like, doesn't have a license and gets pulled over. (laughs) And, like... I, I know there's, um, I can't remember That's his name. Unsafe. There's a character in Bleak House. Um, it's a, it's a Dickens novel, but he's so childlike to the point where like literal children are taking care of him and paying off his debts. Like he's always in debt. He's always in trouble, but people mm. excuse him because he's so childlike. Yeah. And at a certain point it prevents them from being able to be children, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, so I will say that is like one major fault of that character. I guess it's interesting. I guess it kind of in a way, sort of shows the similarities between really young people and really old people. Sure, at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe not able to take care of themselves as much as well. You know, both aren't necessarily tied down with typical jobs for the most part. Probably retired, yeah, yeah, as opposed to, you know, not yet old enough to do Mm -hmm. it. So I guess it's kind of cool to look at it in that way. But it it is still creepy. Yeah, but, you know, like, obviously... In the movie, he was not creepy. You know, sure. like, the character in this, in The Little Prince is not creepy. Yeah. But that was just kind of, like, one kind of weird thing an I initial, took away from it. An initial reaction, for sure. But it's a great watch. Definitely worth watching. It is Who? family-friendly. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The audience, audience is everyone. <laughs> all. Like, literally anyone audience, can watch this all. movie. Um, the animation style is really cool. There are, like, certain characters, when they go into kind of The Little Prince story within a story, um, a lot of the characters are animated, like, they're they're made out of oil paint. So, like, they're kind of textured, but there definitely is a brush stroke quality to them. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, will you cry? Yeah. Like, will will the average viewer cry in this movie? I think so. Okay. So if <laughs> At you're least once. For, I cried a few times. If you're looking for times. a good cry, then <laughs> But, like, <laughs> a kind moments. of, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I guess when I cried, it was a sad <laughs> cry. But there are some happy moments to of cry at, yeah, too. For sure. So, yeah, recommend that. Okay, Jeff Bridges' character in this versus Jeff Bridges' character in No Country for Old Men, who wins in a fight. Which one is Jeff Bridges in No Country? He's the he's the uh, uh, cop, the police officer, who's tracking him down. Who's yes, tracking yes, yes. Down. I know. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a minute. Um, Considering how this is an old man, <laughs> right? I I would probably say No Country for Old well, Men. Well, I, I if we're saying who would win in a fight, definitely yes. No Country for Old Men. Yes. If we're just saying in general, who do we like better? Probably this guy. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Hey, Gab. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, alrighty, that is the little prince for you. And now we're going to continue the series of where Jackson takes a month to watch a season <laughs> of Avatar. But we finally made it to the next installment because I finished book two of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Thank originally God. on Nickelodeon. I know. Originally <laughs> on Nickelodeon. Now on Netflix. This book sort of revolves around Earth, Aang's journey into learning earthbending, and really, at the end, kind of finding, going to the Earth Kingdom is is sort of the, the overarching goal of this season. So, 
there are so, so many great things that I continue to love about this show. The first thing I want to talk about is obviously there's a new major, a couple major new characters, but one major good character, Toph, who oh, is Toph. yeah Aang's new earthbending teacher. She's introduced in episode six, The Blind Bandit, which is honestly one of my favorite episodes I've seen so far because I was telling you about this, Lauren. It's like WWE themed because they go to um, this Earth Kingdom city um, to try and find Aang, an earthbending teacher. And they hear about this sort of underground fighting fight club, if you will, where where people go and fight for like the crown or whatever of like best earthbender in the city, whatever. So it's the it's very much structured like a WWE match. The the fights are not scripted; they're real. But there is this one character called the Boulder who similar to The Rock in WWE lore. Nice. And he cuts <laughs> he cuts promos like Macho Man. It's pretty great. And just all of that, the... Well, one thing that I loved overarching and, you know, sort of highlighted in this episode is the creativity that they have with um, all different kinds of bending. But specifically earthbending, I think there's some really cool things that they do with the creativity of how they use it in combat and things mm -hmm. like that, I think is really creative and unique. But that's where he meets Toph, who is this... I'm not sure exactly how old she is. She's a young girl yeah. who is blind. And so you look at this uh, next to this huge muscular boulder. I'm going to beat you because I'm the boulder. He kind of talks like that. And then you see Toph just absolutely wreck house. She is an incredible <laughs> earthman. And I, I love her character uh, because she's so strong in such a unassuming body you know you don't expect it but she she's actually probably the most powerful earthbender that you see throughout at least so far that you see which is pretty incredible so she ends up joining the team after having to escape her overbearing parents another part of her character is she is the daughter of a very wealthy family who are extremely overprotective they don't know about her underground fight club wins they don't know about any of that they they think she's small helpless and blind which she is Clearly not. Well, she's blind and small, but she's not helpless. So it continues on. There are a lot of other great episodes that I loved. Um, anytime Uncle Iroh speaks, I just... I love him. He's great. He is great. And he's such a... God, all the characters, all the characters in this are so rich and full. And we're going to talk even more about that. But more specific episodes, that one's from episode nine. He talks about the, he talks to Zuko about like the harmony of the four elements. And it's beautiful. Uh, episode 11, I can't remember exactly. Z Sokka trips on cactus juice. And it's Ooh. so hilarious. There's such good comedy. I love, this show It is, I mean, I wouldn't consider it a pure comedy of course, but it definitely has some incredibly funny moments, yeah. which I love. One of my favorite episodes so far is in book two, Tales of Ba Sing Se, where each... I was just going to talk about Iroh's episode in that. Yes. So all of the... There are so, uh, Iroh's, I think, is probably the one that most people sure. know and are like super familiar because it's heartbreaking. And, and he, yeah. he has... It's, it's another thing about these complex characters throughout this show you know, he is, he was formerly a, uh, fire nation general mm -hmm. and, you know, this powerful destructive force and he still is. And you see him use that yeah. at times throughout <laughs> the, throughout these seasons, but he has such a kind heart and he has such deep pain that he's going through that he, that he often doesn't show because he has such a kind spirit every day. You'd almost yeah. forget that he's, he goes through so much, but to spoilers, I've probably already revealed some spoilers, but 
his son actually was killed. Um, he was a Fire Nation soldier, and his son was killed in battle. So that that's sort of part of what his he he goes and um, he has tea right with yeah. his with his son on like a hillside. And by the time he gets there, it's like the sunset is setting. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Well, and also in that same day, I mean, at one point, this guy tries to mug him. Yes. And he... Oh, well, so good. <laughs> he tries to... So first, he's like, you're not going to mug me like that. And he helps him, like, fix his stance. But then he's like, you don't seem like a criminal type. What do you really want to do? Yeah. And he, like, sits down and talks with him. Like, you know, there's, like, a time lapse, you know? Yeah. Um, And... You know, and he, he sits and talks to him to really however long it takes to convince him to pursue his real dreams. And it's yeah. just like, you know, it's just like a very, he's just a very, he's like a, like a God voice kind of character, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the mentor of sorts. Yeah. Especially Love to everyone. Zuko. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Z I, I really like Zuko's story in that. Yeah. The story of him going on a date, which is definitely yeah. a side of Zuko that we we haven't seen. And I, I love, I'm going to get to it after I start talking about specific episodes. I'm not going to talk too long about this. Just wanted to update. <laughs> but because we're already reaching 20 minutes. God, we only had two things to uh. talk about. Whatever. But, so that episode is gorgeous. Each one, each one of the episodes, uh, or each one of those segments in that episode, I think is gorgeous. I think they all stand on their own so well and just reveal such beautiful things about each of the characters. Anywho, the episode immediately following that was the Appa episode. And yeah. <laughs> Lauren and I both I cried. cried during that one. And like, I haven't even seen, like, most of book one or two. Yeah, exactly. Know? Lauren, like... Lauren watched... You, did you watch all of Tales of Ba Sing Se? Or I just did, part of, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Lauren watched those two, yeah. Too. And we were just... We were definitely weeping at the Appa episode. I love... I feel like it's natural human instinct to have sympathy for animals, but I feel like this show does it in just a whole other level. Yeah. Where the and you you don't just sympathize because they're animals and because they're often perceived as like helpless in a way. You empathize you like almost empathize with them because they have like very human characteristics at Definitely. times. Yeah. And they have their own personalities and bonds with other characters. Obviously Appa with Aang. They're later, spoiler alert, they are reunited. Appa re reunites with the rest of the gang. Yeah. And Aang's tearful I missed you, buddy. Whew. I cried then too. Whew. So good. It, it just Appa. I love Appa. Lauren's tearing up a little right now. Is she? I am. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> we, Between this and the Little Prince, I've cried so many times. Just today. many tears, many tears. But yeah, it that that is um gorgeous, beautiful. Okay, the the real thing I want to talk about, and I'll try to keep it short. But Aang and Zuko's paralleled arcs. Mm -hmm. It's very. Like, it's just, it's so good. I'm just going to start off by saying it's so good. I, I, I wrote a few things down. Um, so just this idea of, like, the parallel destiny with Aang and Zuko, you know, both are sort of struggling with these, like, outside expectations of what they should be. You know, Aang obviously had this destiny of, of being the Avatar, but he's a 12-year-old kid, you know? He's been gone for 100 years. He's having to just get used to life itself living in this new time and as such a young kid with so much responsibility. Then you have Zuko, who's like a, a 15, 16 year old kid, banished prince who has these expectations of a father banishing him. The only way he thinks he'll get him back is by capturing the Avatar, by killing the Avatar. And just all these outer expectations weighing on them sort of at odds with kind of what they see themselves as in mm -hmm. a way. And so, so they struggle with that. And also just the the physical markings of their destiny 
is is also really interesting because yeah. obviously Aang has the Avatar tattoos, but then Zuko has the scar on his face, and there's sort of outward marks for everyone. It's like you know they sort of immediately know. As I mean, of course, with the Avatar, it's immediately obvious. But even with Zuko, it's like you see that person, and you're like they they are marked for life because of something that has happened to them or who they are yeah. at this point. And I think that's just a really cool like parallel story. Both of their arcs are great. It's it's fantastic. Um. Oh, also, sort of towards the end of season two, this is the last thing, they both go through, like, metamorphoses, in a way, where yeah. Zuko has sort of that that moment of letting Appa go free, and then he sort of goes through this almost physical change, and then Aang, when he goes to see the Guru in the Eastern Air Temple, he, he also has to kind of go through this physical change and, like, release of a block, of different blocks throughout his body, because, you know, he, he has to, his goal is to be able to control the Avatar state, but... He has to go through those sort of things. I just, I love the, that those two parallel stories. Yeah. I think they're they're beautiful and amazing. Okay, Avatar Ooh. book two, great. I started book three today, and it's already even better. So, wow. I can't wait to keep going. Hopefully, it won't be another month. I'll try to do it in like a couple weeks, maybe. <laughs> and we'll, we'll be back to this segment to finish it off. All right. Book three. Okay, that's Ooh. what we got. Yeah, so when we come back, we are going to be reading Jasmine by Ankit Dame. And we will do that. When we come back, It's the podcast that we do. It is the podcast that we do. Yes, green it light. is. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, baby. Thank you. <laughs> my, my green light went on a little long, so thank you for still coming in. <laughs> so this week we are reading Jasmine. Uh, my name is Lauren, and I will be playing Ava. My name is Jackson, and I will be playing Nick. Not our de facto producer Nick, yes. but a different <laughs> Nick. <laughs> and my name is Bailey. I'm Bailey. back again. Yay, Bailey. Yes, Bailey's back with us, everyone. <laughs> it's me. I'll be um I'll be reading action lines and mm-hmm. also the voice of Ava's sister. Yes, yes, cool. yes, yes. So I guess without yeah. further ado, let's get started. Let's jump in. This is Jasmine by Ankit Dame. Over black, sound of a door opening, toilet seat being lifted up, while classical piano plays in the background. Interior bathroom. Close-up of her shattered phone on the makeup box. Ava, 19, is sitting on the toilet looking at something that she's holding while she's playing music on her phone. You done, sweetie? Ava stays quiet, looks at the door, and ignores Nick. Waiting out here, hon. Ava sighs and looks up and squints as she puts her hand between her legs. Maybe if you drink some water, it might make things easier. Please stop. Yep, sorry. Ava pees on something she is holding. She gets some pee on her hand and goes to wash her hand. She sees she's out of hand wash and just washes her hand with water. When she looks at the mirror, she decides to fix her face and hair. Just as she starts doing her hair, she gets a call. Music stops. Not a good time, Miranda. Did you think about it? Yes and no. You can't live like that. Like how? I can take care of myself. She messes up the eyeliner. Did you say something? And so you're going to punish us by staying away? Wow, fuck you. Oh, okay. She smudges the eyeliner all around her eye. 
Family is forever, Ava. Come home. At least for Easter, Mom's worried. What about Nick? What about him? Ava starts the timer for the test results. I don't know. Gotta go. I'll call you back in... sometime. Love you. Ava cuts the call and proceeds to hide all makeup and clean the toilet seat and bathroom. She waits at the door, takes a moment, and then exits the bathroom. Cut to interior bedroom. She keeps the results on the table and goes to Nick, who's half lying on the bed, swiping something on his phone. He stops, locks his phone, rises up, and they sit together as Nick hugs Ava and kisses her head, then her cheek, and slowly her neck. As he kisses her neck, smells it. You're finally wearing the perfume! Yeah, thanks again. I'll thank my mom. I smelt it on her. They both stay silent for a moment. If it's positive, can we still... Oh, fuck. What? I mean, fuck, your, your heater's not working. Did you pay the bills? You know my boss never pays on time. How much? You have to stop offering me money. That's not the point. When I told my mom, she said to take care of everything for you. Why do you do that? I told you, we share everything with each other. Okay. I, I guess that's okay. Why wouldn't it be? Yes, I, I said it is okay. You made it sound like it's not. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thirsty. Do you want some water? You mean the tap water? Ava sighs. Then I'm good. Interior kitchen. Classical music starts again. Ava goes to the kitchen and doesn't find any clean glass, looks around to see if Nick isn't coming, and drinks water by putting her hand to the tap. There's some sketchy leftover pasta. She takes a bite, cleans herself up, goes back to him. Meanwhile, Nick gets up and reorganizes things in her room. Interior bedroom. Classical music stops. If it's positive, at least you won't have to clean other people's filth for money. Ava gets slightly offended, but tries to hold it in. I like working with people and being independent. I can't just throw my life away. We'll have to change our lives for her. Ava is a little confused, but ignores it. So you'll be okay with not going to all your friends' concert tours, your dad's golf tours, and your mom's yoga retreats for single moms? Both are silent for a moment. Nick seems mad at Ava. Ava tries to calm him down by holding his hand. I can't let Jasmine have absent parents. Jasmine? Our daughter? Jasmine? The timer goes off. Where did this come from? Mom said she likes the name Jasmine. Ava gets mad. Gets up to turn the timer off. Okay, first of all, are you hoping that the test is positive? I'm just... A second of all, what the fuck? Nick gets up and holds Ava by her shoulder. I'm just being optimistic, honey. And I want you to know I won't leave you alone with all this. Ava goes towards the test. She picks it up and hides it from Nick, slowly takes a look at the results, and has no reaction to it. And anyway, it's not like you can just kill the child if you don't feel like it, you know? You're not a murderer, are you? Ava freezes. You know what? Fuck it, I'll take another test. Wait, what did this one say? Nick approaches her, but she hides it. Doesn't matter. I have to be sure. Ava goes to the bathroom again. Nick follows her in, looking at the test. Cut to interior bathroom. What? What? I just want to be near you. Are you going to tell your mom about this too? Look away. Ava starts peeing on the new test and then resets the timer. Nick snoops around. Ava throws the previous test in the trash and pushes it in deep. Nick finds contraceptive pills. Come on, why? You want me to pee on sticks every time? That's all it takes for you to kill our child? I ate a frozen pizza for breakfast. I can't even take care of myself. I can! You just have to say yes. Nick crouches on the floor besides Ava, puts down a washcloth under his knees so they don't get dirty. Classical music starts again. You won't have to pay the bills or clean anything that holds you back now. I know you're trying to be independent, and I see you're trying so hard. Nick holds Ava's hand while she's on the toilet. And that reminds me why I fell in love with you. You always give your all. 
All I'm saying is, let the man worry about those things. You're not exactly doing a great job anyways. Is this your way of proposing? Do you want it to be? Nick gets a call from his mom. He picks it up instantly. Mommy, can I call you back in some time? Love you. Ava looks frozen with nothing left to say, in shock. Nick runs his fingers through Ava's hair. You know I love you too, right? Classical music stops. Ava looks at him in disbelief, goes to bed after keeping the test and the timer on the table. Nick is still in the bathroom and tries to find the test, but gags as soon as he tries to put his hand in. Ava notices, and she stares at him from outside the bathroom. He sees Ava and goes up to her. She's my child, too. Will be, I mean. Cut to interior bedroom. Ava turns toward the bed, sits there, disappointed in Nick as he walks towards her, and sits near her on the floor. I know I'm not perfect, but you've slept with others before me and I didn't say anything. What would you prefer? This? I know what you deserve. This isn't it. The timer rings. Nick looks at Ava in anticipation. Ava gives him the eyes, gets up, and grabs the test, but before looking at the results, she decides to cover them even to herself and stands as her back faces Nick. Why did you not wear a condom? Should I? No, that night. Why did you not wear a condom? Oh, you know why. You don't enjoy it with a condom. Remember how you barely used to finish? I figured it was because of the condom. Right, and why didn't you pull out? Why are we talking about this now? Why didn't you pull out? Because I could sense that you were going to finish soon and I didn't want to ruin it for you. Mm -hmm. Everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah, it does. Ava lets out a sigh and a painful chuckle. She looks at the results, takes a few seconds to process it, and buries the test in the trash. Well, there's no Jasmine for you and your mom. I guess I'm not that good at this either. Nick gets up from the floor and goes to Ava. You know I just wanted what's best for you, right? Yeah. Is it okay if I sleep now and we continue this later? Could you go for the eggs and milk? Ava goes to the bed and sits to tie her hair. Yeah, but later maybe? Do you want to... I mean, now that you know nothing happened... Nick comes towards her from the side, stops her, and plays with her hair. Ava holds his hand to put it away. I'm really tired. That's okay. Get some rest. I'll be right back. Thank you. Love you. Nick hugs her and kisses her head. Ava freezes for a moment. Love you too. Nick wears a mask, walks to the bedroom to the door and out. Ava paces to the bathroom as soon as he leaves. Interior bathroom. Ava calls her sister while cleaning her makeup, looking into the mirror. I need a favor. All of a sudden, she leaves the phone at the sink and rushes to the toilet and pukes. She gets up from the floor, flushes her toilet. Fuck. Cut to black. Interior bedroom. Ava comes back into the room, sits down in front of the bed, and starts packing a small duffel bag. She looks around the room, feels melancholic, takes a moment to register everything, and leaves with the bag. A few moments later, Nick comes back looking for her. Seeing the empty room and her clothes lying around, he stands in shock. A moment later, he paces to the trash bin. Cut to black. We hear the sounds of plastic rustling in the trash bin. End. You said to let it go Cause it wasn't our time, no You tried to seek me out But somebody else was calling me mine Hey everybody, welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Today, 
you're having just me. It's just me right now. Lauren is feeling a bit under the weather, so I'm handling the interviews right now. But I'm not totally alone, because on this podcast, uh, we have the writer of Jasmine, the screenwriter, Ankit Dame. Uh, Ankit, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. My cat has pooped a lot today, so it smells really bad in the house, but it's all right. (laughs) Well, very good. Very good. What's your cat's name? Um, his name is Adya. Okay. Uh, It's Czech for Adolf. (laughs) Great. Great. Well, well, I I hope they're doing well today, even though, you know, a lot of fiber in their diet, it sounds like. So so it sounds like you're feeding it well, at least. He does. He he ate some guacamole. Oh, very good. (laughs) He eats really well, man. He eats almost better than I do. Um, For sure. Well, great. Let's, let's jump right into it. Let's, um, if you could just tell us sort of your writer origin story, how'd you get into, to writing and to cinema in general? Um, okay. So writing, I would, so the, when I was in school, basically I used to write really cheesy songs and I can, I cringe a lot now whenever I come across that, when my friends taught me with that, but that's basically how I started writing in general. And it continued a little through college. And then there was a Wattpad phase where I started writing a novel. It was Mm. really bizarre science fiction that I couldn't finish because I wrote like 12 chapters and then I was just like this is this is taking too much time yeah. I, <laughs> I want to be on Facebook and Orkut <laughs> everything exactly. was new back then so um, I still continued writing songs and I still do sometimes um, I, I, I'm on Spotify Apple Music everywhere so I, I try to write uh, songs maybe like once a month or something mm-hmm. and um after college, kind of a while college, I started uh, getting into photography and um, I kind of get, got a grasp of storytelling, visual storytelling. And I, um, after like four or five years of photography, I kind of uh, gradually moved towards visual storytelling in like video format. And I tried really short videos, which was just no dialogues, nothing, just like single slices of life, like just how would you how you'd feel like being in a local train in mumbai or how do you feel like uh, on the beach and i just tried to create like atmospheric uh film like really small short films yeah. just to put the audience into that place and time and um yeah after one year of that i was like you know what let's just try making a short film and uh, i made my first short film last year it was like I would say it was a 12-minute short film. It was one take. It was just one character. It was three timelines and uh, like four costume changes, but there were no cuts. So that was, it took me like a week of like four hours a day rehearsal. Wow. But um, yeah, it went really well. I submitted it to eight film festivals and uh, it got selected in five and it won three of them. So I got a really good ego boost from that. And I was like, you know what? Uh, let's maybe maybe I can think of this as a career and then I applied to film school in Prague here and um, yeah I came here to study cinematography because I had a photography background but my professors and all of my classmates really liked my writing and I'd never thought of my writing as like something good but yeah my friends told me I should give this a try because I mean uh, 
like I I've already had a lot of experience with cameras mm-hmm. so there was not that much to learn in the beginning years of film school because they usually just like repeat a lot of things that you learn on your own for sure so yeah. I was like you know what let's just try writing so here I am I made Jasmine and yeah well that's great <laughs> C- congratulations on um on winning those uh those festivals by the way um that that's really awesome with your first short film incredible I also I love <laughs> Thank to you. hear um, you know, starting off in photography, it, it's so interesting because, you know, I feel like that transition, um, well, you know, it, it still is a big leap going from, you know, still images to like moving images in a way. It yeah. still is, you know, the, like that thing you mentioned about visual storytelling, which I think is so important that I feel like a lot of a lot of early writers almost like not necessarily overlook, but just like, you know, they want to get into the dialogue and then it comes off as, you know, too overwritten and they forget sort of that visual element. But I think what is really cool in uh, this script and I'm sure in all of your work is, is the attention to the, the detail, the, the phys, the visual detail, the visual storytelling, which I think is cool. Um, And you said, um, are you from Mumbai? I know you, I know you mentioned, um, you mentioned that uh, just now and in your initial email that you sent us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was born and raised in Mumbai, and just last year I moved to Prague. Oh, and it's been a year now, so I'm planning to stay here for a few more years. Let's see how that goes. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, congrats on the move, by the way. And we will we will get into Thank more you. questions about you um, a bit later. But uh, sure. first, I would first I would like to fix these wires on my end so that they're not buzzing. Um, <laughs> Wires be like, <laughs> exactly. You know how it is. I know how it is. <laughs> okay, okay. That that this is really my fault for just like messing with them. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we're good. We're good now. Uh, okay, right. so um, yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna dive into some questions about the script itself, Jasmine, which I really enjoyed. By the way, like I said, I love like the visual elements. Um, but I sort of want to. I sort of want to start with some of like the story elements themselves and stuff about the characters specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So the first thing I wanted to dive to into is like Nick and Ava's relationship. And my mm-hmm. my first my first thought in looking at this, and obviously when you sent us the log line, you said you know. Um, Ava, who is a um, sort of lower middle class and Nick sort of um, in that upper middle class. I was just wondering how you think that like that difference in class affects their relationship and with themselves and then as well with their like potential future child. Um, I, I wrote Ava and Nick as with a lot of backstory because uh, in film school, like in my film school, especially I I I'm really lucky to have uh, really good screenwriting professors. Mm-hmm. Um uh the one I I've, I've had for the last year was Diego Fandos. He's a Spanish uh s- s- like screenplay writer and uh he is he he taught us how to have enough motivation in the characters to just so basically to write their history deep enough that the script just flows and sure. so i was i really wanted to have an enough uh, big of a uh, character difference in both of them but in a subtle way that it would just change their worldview so eva coming from like a lower middle class family i imagined her as she she maybe grew up in a house where she had to take up all of the responsibilities maybe she was the eldest or she was in like a middle child and 
she ended up having a lot of parental responsibilities thrown up on her and she never got to enjoy life like other teenagers and she always had to work she had to clean she had to cook and she just never maybe even grew a fashion sense she never got to enjoy like video games computers or any of that things and this is the first time that she's living by herself and she has complete freedom like or complete freedom in her mind like that's what she thinks she has um and nick i wrote him as coming from an upper middle class uh, family uh yeah uh, <laughs> i can i can tell you how i explained the actor who played nick that'd be great uh, yeah uh i told so because he was also they were both really confused as to how ex- because i had really specific visions in mind for how they would uh, would play them and i told mac that nick is a character whose family cannot afford to buy their own private jet but they're rich enough that his dad has a membership to the best golf club mm, so sure. i i gave him that kind of a sweet spot where he has enough support monetary monetary support that he can live off his parents for the rest of his life mm. but not so much that he has his own mansion and it's just i i wanted him to be kind of a uh i don't know how to explain it i don't want to say douchebag because i do not judge my characters sure. uh, i i i usually write the characters in a way that um they anyone from that kind of a perspective can empathize with them so i wrote nick to be in a way that he never had to face the difficulties that eva had to face yeah and so just having them in one room and having them in a relationship where Eva has lived a completely different life than Nick and Nick has a whole different perspective towards life that's basically what i wanted with them and with the potential with their potential child well um in the script i haven't i don't have a clear like ending as to um if she's she is pregnant or not yeah look we'll, we'll let the audience decide i guess in a way yeah 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 but let's say if she were to be pregnant i would say maybe nick would try to force all of it uh, all of the responsibilities by just throwing money at eva mm-hmm. and just uh, outsourcing like taking care of their child to like a maid or something and he would just want to have eva under his wings mm-hmm. and just act like a bodyguard and a caretaker while eva would might end up feeling completely like caged up and robbed of her freedom. Yeah. No, that uh, I I love so many things that you said in that. Um <laughs> I I think it's so interesting, right? Cuz you said it, the difference is, you know, especially at the beginning, I think very subtle. It's like if you just see these two people on the street, maybe you might not think um that that much different of their identities, but you know, w- when you start to examine it and uh, there was one moment in particular when um, Ava and Nick were sort of in the middle of their argument, and Nick says mm-hmm. the thing, um, you know, uh, he he's obviously in favor of keeping the, the, the child, and so he says, I'm just being optimistic, honey. And I, I, <laughs> and I, I love that. It, you know, it's a small moment, but it's, it's very much like he kind of has that privilege to be optimistic. He, he, he yes. has been able to be optimistic his whole life because of how he grew up and how he grew up comfortable and not having to worry about money. Whereas Ava, the opposite, you know, she's, you know, it, it, I feel like 
if you if you sort of come from that background, it, it's you know you're you're always thinking about money to a certain extent, you know, and like yeah, money yeah. and just like surviving and you know taking care of a whole other human being is is such a a big burden not only emotionally especially on a nineteen year old but also financially physically everything and so it, it's just of interesting. Course. I like the 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 differences in them. Um, and so mm-hmm. I guess jumping off of that on more on the character of Nick, um, because at the beginning I, f- I feel like he's almost sympathetic. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. because he's, he's like, he's doing his, his best in his own way to be like, Oh, you know, what can I do to help? Yada, yada. Um, how, how do you sort of think the audience should feel about him? I know you kind of touched on it when you said you, you know, you, you try not to judge any of your characters, but by the end, I definitely was not a fan of him, but at the same time, I could still be <laughs> like, well, he's trying, you know? So what do you, what do yeah. you sort of hope the audience gets out of his character? Um, well, um, I wrote both of the characters in a way to kind of spark a conversation or like a really slight subtle debate about you you can't really judge someone based on just how they are because there's a lot of things that end up happening uh, in their past and just their environment that they don't have a choice like up based on like the 30% of their own personality is not based on any choices that they've made. Hmm. You, they can still change 70% of their, but those 30%, they will have to like spend like years and years to like grow out of because that's just what their parents have told them. That's just what their whole world around them has told them. So I wrote Nick to like in the beginning, <clears throat> even though he's saying a lot of things that are kind of sympathetic because I also... I'm directing the film, mm-hmm. so I will be choosing to make him look like he is being really passive aggressive, or not mm-hmm. just passive aggressive, but he's just like kind of just saying those things for the sake of it. Yeah, he doesn't really mean it. Mm-hmm. And um, through the whole film, he's always going to be on his phone. Like he will always have his phone in his hand. Mm. So you can't really take his dialogues that seriously. Yeah, when everything that he's saying, he's saying with a phone in his hand. And um, uh, I wrote his character arc to be in a way that he's really oblivious as to how many things he's saying which can come off really wrong. Yeah. But in his mind, he really means it. He really wants to take care of Ava, but he just doesn't know that he's saying all the wrong words. Yeah. And um, by the end, I want the audience to see that in the last conversation that they have... Um, he kind of comes to his senses or just understands that maybe I'm not hitting the right spots. Maybe why is she like, why is she reacting to my words in this way? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I wrong? And I just want his character in the end to leave with maybe I should rethink my perspective. Yeah. So that's what I wanted. I like that a lot. And I think, yeah, at the beginning, I don't. It, he he doesn't necessarily come off as I feel like ignorant is a strong word, but at the very least unaware. Like he's just unaware of like yeah. the struggles that Ava has faced her life, and I I think that's so cool. At, at at the end, like you said, he sort of comes to that moment of of pause at least, and is like, you know, maybe maybe I should consider things from her perspective. Maybe I should think about it a little more deeply. That is cool. Mm-hmm. And then sort of sort of going off that with Ava, um, who you know. 
the 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 protagonist of our story and and definitely yeah. um the one who who I sympathize with the most but <laughs> yeah. I, I I also you, you you've definitely talked a lot about complex characters and I think uh, you know especially with with more prominent characters complexity is is necessary so mm-hmm. you you mentioned and allude to like her need for independence do you think yeah. Even in like a more a more um, perfect relationship, she would be comfortable giving up her independence at, at least at this stage in her life um, for for a boyfriend, for a family, something like that. Or do you think there's also something inside her that's kind of holding her back from that as well? Mm, yeah, for sure not. I don't think she's ready to give away her freedom. Uh, I I when I was uh, talking to the actor who's playing Ava, Lissy. Uh, I was telling her that right now, when Ava is in a relationship with Nick, she is not taking it that seriously as Nick is because this is the point in her life when she's actually living for the first time. Mm. And I don't think she would want to be bogged down. And she's just experiencing things. She's just having fun. She's just literally, for the first time, she's probably uh, dating someone who can come to her place and there's no one else there because she's always lived with her parents. She's moved out Mm -hmm. and she's living alone. And I just feel like Ava would want to keep things really casual Mm. right now. Yeah. And she would definitely not like want a child, especially right now Mm -hmm. when even her work is not going well. And she's still like, you can see how, um, messy she is and how she's not she's not that i mean i don't want to say like a slob but she's Mm -hmm. she's not a neat tidy person sure she she does a lot of things that are not would not be considered like fully mature or like what a 23 year old like boyfriend would see her for has and be like she's a grown person because she still has to go through that phase of life so i would say yeah no, for sure not. Yeah, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. No, you're <laughs> I not. Just... No, I I love it. Trust me, I love it. Um, I, and it's so interesting the, the, just the age difference too. You know, 19 and 23. You know, I feel like that's such a bigger <laughs> gap than like if they were like for sure. 30 and 34. You know, like 19 and 23 <laughs> yeah, is yeah. such a huge like that. Th- that's just two different points in your life. So their priorities are different yeah. because of the their ages as well, which I think is is another nice little touch uh, for the two characters. Um, so stepping away from the characters yeah. for a bit, um, there's there's sort of a recurring, I don't know if you would call it a motif. I'm not good with exactly what motif and theme <laughs> means, the difference. But um, the classical music sort of coming in and out. Um, ta- uh-huh. I would love to hear you talk about that and sort of like the role that that plays in the story. Well, I, I, I really... First, first of all, it's kind of biased because I really love classical music. Sure, I love I love classical piano, especially uh, Spanish uh, and Latin American like piano pieces. Mm-hmm. They're amazing, and I, um, I, I, when I was thinking of the film a month ago, I was planning to shoot it in a really ambiguous way, as to no one will understand what time frame it is in. I was planning to. Uh, maybe have the whole set medieval and them wearing kind of new like clothes from the 1900s but oh, then wow. they have like modern technology yeah and oh that would be so, so it it would be yeah I, I wanted it to be really ambiguous because 
in my head, I think of this film as just about free, like wanting freedom and mm-hmm. just the difference that comes in class. Be- I-, I wanted to play with a lot of uh, themes here, like the class difference, the difference in privilege, the difference in age, the difference in gender roles and everything. Yeah. And because I thought of all of these issues are timeless. So I really wanted something to tie this with the past. And uh, because I decided on not having it ambiguous, I still wanted something to take us back to maybe not the current time period. Hmm. And so I chose to have classical music. So it would kind of just add a hint of a little rustic, I don't know, you know, it just takes you back a few years. Absolutely. And I guess going off of that, so I know at the beginning of the script, it talks about that she's playing music on her phone. Does this music exist, like, is this in her head or is this more for the audience um, solely? Or is this sort of like something for her? Uh... I intend it. I intended it to be something for her because yeah. I, I, I wrote Ava as in she's not she has she'd never got the privilege to get into pop culture. So mm. I wrote her as she still listens to classical music. And, sure. Uh, yeah, she just wanted de stress and she just has too much on her mind, taking a pregnancy test because she doesn't even know how she ended up in the situation. Yep. So she was just playing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's great. Um, it, yeah, that, that is a really interesting device that I, that I really like that you used. Okay. So as much as I could definitely talk about the script more, we're going to move on to questions <laughs> about you. So, so first off, okay. you know, <laughs> buckle in, we're getting serious now. Um, I am buckling in. <laughs> good, good. Uh, so, you know, it, here, here in the States, uh, we're, we're having a, a bit of a time with, you know, just the, the coronavirus and everything. So I, ju- I was just wondering, like, <laughs> h- how are things going in Prague? How are you holding up? And then how is the, the country and city itself holding up? It's, uh, it's going really well, actually. I, I hope I'm not jinxing it, but it's <laughs> going pretty well. Uh, we only have a few hundred cases every day wow. in the whole country. And we've been out of lockdown for a month and a half or over that. Um, because uh, Czech Republic was one of the first countries to enforce complete lockdown. Mm. We went into lockdown the moment we had like 50 cases wow. and we had complete lockdown. Like no one was allowed outside unless and until you wanted to buy groceries or something like that. Yeah. And uh, everyone obeyed that really well. People were wearing masks and yeah, just we hit the peak and we receded really fast. So things are pretty good. We wear masks in uh, trams or buses anymore or even in stores things are really relaxed now wow so yeah it's pretty chill here i don't know if i you... hope it gets better there too yeah i don't i don't know if you can tell the jealousy in my voice that i have <laughs> just because yeah I can. things are um things are uh not as great here i'll say that we uh lauren I sympathize. And I, yeah lauren and i are uh are living in la right now and you know things have actually gotten uh. a little worse recently so uh so hopefully maybe you you jinxed us so now we'll go in the opposite <laughs> direction we'll get better who knows but th- I, I I'm, so. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that things are things are looking up for you and and everything that's great um so when you emailed us initially and and you've you've alluded mm-hmm. to it in this interview you said you uh, you've already produced this film which is which is great yes. but i'd i'd love to to talk about sort of you also said that it was crowdfunded i'd love to talk yes, about that is. and just sort of that process and like sort of the struggles and the rewards that you found with uh, going through that route to fund the film 
Oh, well, it was really difficult. And especially for me, because I'm not good with um, social interactions and I hate asking people for things. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. So I did not want to reach out to anyone. I was like, oh, no, I will have to ask all of my school friends and college friends to, like, donate money for a film i'm making in another continent like yeah. why will they even care yeah but uh i am lucky enough to be from india where we have really tight-knit families mm. and uh, a majority of my cousins and my distant relatives ended up supporting me and i'm also really lucky to have really good friends in prague who are all into arts I have people who are doing liberal arts, who are people who are into writing, people who are into language and uh, painting, and all of them supported me really, um, really well. And yeah, it didn't take that many people. I think only 15 people donated. Wow. But uh, I, uh, yeah, the thing is, I write really low budget films. Sure. Um, Which is I, I a never... very good skill to have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I can never, I never uh, get the urge to write films which are really high budget, especially in this early stage of my career where I don't even have a career per se. I'm still uh, like producing my own films. Mm -hmm. So I always write things which can be produced on basically a zero budget. And in this whole film, the only things I spent money on was art design where I had to rent uh, some things and food. That's it. Mm. I, I shot in my friend's apartment. I got all of the shooting equipment from my school. And the actors were also from my school. So I spent money on nothing. And it still turned out really well. Way better than I expected it to be. That, so. Congratulations on that. that that's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. And it's, it is, you're right, it's so hard. It's so hard to ask people for money for anything, really. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's almost such a necessary thing as an artist that I feel like that's part yeah. of the, the artist's journey is to, like, sort of become comfortable with that and, you know, yeah. understanding that it's okay. And I am I am still at a very early stage in that process. But it is, <laughs> you know, it's um, that that's great. And congratulations again. Has it has it been released Thank yet? You. Or do you have a, a, a release date set? Um, it is not publicly released yet. It will release publicly, I think, next year. Right now, I have the first final version ready which is running in festivals oh, wow. um i've submitted it to around 12 festivals till now mm -hmm. and i hope to hear from at least three or four of them um in a few days actually <laughs> so let's see yeah I'm good luck excited. break a leg all of that to you and definitely <laughs> definitely keep us updated we loved we'd love to uh We'd love to keep up to date and then and then shout you out when it's out and available publicly. For so, sure. I will let you know. <laughs> so uh, I am going to just... I'm going to fangirl over you a little bit right now. That initial <laughs> email that you sent us. And, you know, I, I, you, were, you were... And it was very useful, you know, telling us about you. But there were so many things that I'm like... He has done so much with his life. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, just just to list a few for everyone out there. Um, you, you used to work with brands like GoPro, Lenovo, Nokia, everything like that. Um, you're Obviously, now you're in Prague Film School doing that. 
Um, just everything. <laughs> and, you know, stuff about your identity that's incredible, too. Um, you know, red, green, colorblind, everything like that. Um, <laughs> make music in your free time. Like, like. so do you just, like, look at us normal people and are like, man, their lives are boring. Or, <laughs> no, but, but ser- seriously, talk about how, like, all of these life experiences and different identity things, like, play into your writing and just into your art in general, because I'd be really fascinated to hear. Um, well, it's, it's really interesting even to me because I don't process it, uh, like the way other people do. And I'm always surprised that it's something like people get impressed or just like shocked by it. Because to me, it's like, I still have, like, I'm still insecure (laughs) and I still envy people. So to see people who are like, talking about me but anyways uh uh it it really helps me with my writing actually because uh i've traveled a lot of countries too working with so many brands and i have enough experience with people from a lot of nationalities and working in teams so i can always uh i don't know i'm I'm, i don't have like an ego problem i don't need to lead every time i can always work under people and work with people i'm really good at collaborating and it just it really helps being uh it also kind of humbled me Mm. so because i've been around people who have achieved way more than me and i don't know at this point at this point in time because of social media and because of the internet we all know so much and we all just uh i don't know we all hear and see really extraordinary things and Mm -hmm. we forget that everyone at the end of the day is not like so extraordinary we only see like point zero zero one percent of the people in the world and uh, yeah so i i i met a lot of those people from that point zero 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 one (laughs) percent and uh, very early in my life and it just really humbled me i was like oh no i i have so far like i have so much to achieve or just so many things to do in my life and I never understood why I was or like how I could grasp out of so many things. But recently I was uh, set to be on the high functioning autism uh, the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it kind of now makes sense to me why <laughs> I can do a lot of these things because yeah. I just my brain works a little differently. For sure. And uh, yeah, but the weird thing is, I, I don't know. I don't think I told you, but I don't read fiction I cannot really? sit through books. Yeah, I can't. Wow. It is really difficult for me. So the only source for like only source of stories for me is mostly visual. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that kind of helps me write dialogue really easily. I can write things really fast. Like I wrote this film. Uh, I wrote like I did eight to nine drafts of this and all of them like just took me like 45 minutes to just churn out one draft and it's really easy for me that's incredible. for some reason that is incredible <laughs> if, if you thought i was fangirling before that response just made me do it <laughs> um <laughs> that that's ah, that's great i don't even want to say anything of it that speaks for itself <laughs> so now we're going to get into our serious questions um okay. the, now these are just uh, uh some few just like Five or six ones at the end just to get a little more to know about you. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, in your email, you mentioned that your last film you made uh, was uh, a Tarantino-inspired. And uh, yes. <laughs> so, who who is your favorite director? Is it Tarantino or is it someone else? Uh, 
No, my favorite would be Noah Baumbach. Okay. Um, I I really, really love his cadence in his like dialogues, the pacing, and just the way, just the way his films flow. Because mm. I feel like that is the most difficult skill to acquire when your film just flows. People don't appreciate it enough. Oh, A yeah. lot of people, when they watch Noah Baumbach films, they kind of like, well, this is this is what this is normal. This is just but you don't understand he to mimic real people yeah. is so difficult Incredibly and difficult. to just mimic real conversations yeah it's insane and i feel like he captures it really well and another one would be david fincher mm. for sure yeah. <laughs> i i really love science fiction and dramas too yeah i i think it's so interesting because you know, you have a background in music as well, and I feel like a really good film almost has a musicality to it, like that flow you were talking about. Yes, yes. So that that's Ex- for sure. It does. That's that's cool to see you connect those two. Okay, what is your favorite dessert? Oh my god, uh, you've caught me in a in a pickle. I don't know what this the is, American. This is the tricky question. This is the tricky question. Oh no! Oh no! Um. Damn. I actually really love anything that has chocolate in it. Mm, me too. But but I would say my favorite dessert is an Indian dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... I don't even think you would understand it. You would probably be grossed out when <laughs> no, I say it. please help, but... help me understand. <laughs> I would love to understand. <laughs> it's called a rasgulla. Okay. Uh, it is basically cottage cheese. Hmm. but it is not the kind of cottage cheese I would say, because in, even in Europe, they have really weird cottage cheese. Yeah, so I don't yeah. think, but you can, you can Google it. I can mm-hmm. send you the exact like way to spell it, but Please it's basically do. cottage cheese in sugar syrup with rose, like hints, hints of rose. Huh. And it is amazing. Wow. And it's cold. It's like froze, like not froze, but it's like refrigerated. Oh, okay. So Very cool. See, that that's better than any answer <laughs> I could give you. So <laughs> that's great. Uh, I, I was going to say something like cookie cake or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay. So obviously okay. You, you've been to a lot of places. What's the favorite place you have either lived or traveled? Hmm. Traveled, I would say, is a place called Ladakh. It's in North India, in the state of Kashmir, and it is it has the world's highest motorable road, and it oh. has like it's on a really high altitude. And even when we were walking there, we needed oxygen masks, and uh, you can't in in the, in the airplanes like on the airport. They announced that please do not run for two days and please do not climb stairs for the first day. Wow. So it's, it's pretty high and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. That is great. <laughs> um, so favorite rainy day activity, like you just have a free day. What do you do? Uh, oh my God. I would say, Oh no, I, I do so much. The thing is most of my life I've spent like this because sure. <laughs> I usually write. <laughs> so, um, I would say either, play something like play a video game maybe mm. call of duty or some destiny 2 or something like that good choices or or just watch like binge a whole show ah, just non-stop sure. like 12 bars very good it's... very good <laughs> i find myself having a hard time just like binging one show for that long personally i i don't know oh. what my answer would be 
Honestly, I, I'm definitely less of a binger than I feel like I should be, just at my age and in this time. But <laughs> let's see, you know, you haven't found the right show then. I, think. I, I guess I I don't know I don't know. Alrighty, <laughs> speaking of shows, movies, things like that, who would play you in a movie about your your incredible life? <laughs> oh no, I have no idea. <laughs> I would say, I would I would really like it if Aaron Paul did it. Oh, very good. Okay. I think he's as tall as me. I'm five eight and a half. I think or something. that sounds about right. Yeah, I, from what yeah. I can tell, just like you know, seeing him and stuff, that seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. If he's an inch or two so, taller, why not? That's fine. That's fine too. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I'm always. I feel like because I I'm also like. 5'8", so, you know, finding uh, actors five, eight, that gang. are that height. Exactly, yes, sir. <laughs> finding actors that are that height. When I first found out that Zac Efron was also 5'8", I was like, alright, there's hope for me. <laughs> so I think if I had to choose someone, I would choose Zac Efron, personally. Alrighty, um, final question. This is, uh, this is a tough one, except probably not really. Okay. Uh, do you prefer warm weather or cold weather? Hmm. I prefer cold weather for sure, because mm. when it's warm, you can't rip your skin out. But when it's cold, you can always wear more layers. That is, exa- <laughs> that is exactly how I tell people. Like, I do, I do like the warm weather. Obviously, living in L.A., I kind of have to. But I, there is something nice. I don't know. There's something almost comforting about being in the cold. And I don't really mind for the cold. Sure. You know, because I, I originally grew up in North Carolina. And North Carolina uh. goes from, like, 100 degrees in the summer to, like, 20, 30 degrees in the winter at points. So it's like I got kind of both. And, yeah, the, the cold mm-hmm. the cold is kind of nice. So I think I would have to go with cold as well. For, well, yeah, all right. I think that is all I have for you. This was fantastic. I had such a great time on this interview. Me too. And I definitely don't say that to all of my guests, I promise. But this one, I genuinely did. I genuinely did have a great time. Sure, sure. I believe you. (laughs) I forgot to ask you this. You know, we we talked a little bit before we started the interview. So we do, we typically put like an email address in our description just in case people want to reach out to just either talk or just ask about any of your other work, stuff like that. Would that be cool for us to do that? If not, I can cut this out. No, for sure. Okay, great. For it. Then uh, on Kit's descript- or email will be in the description below. Do you have anything else for us? Anything you would like to plug or anything? Obviously, you have your film coming out. Um, not, not really. I would say maybe still continue supporting Black Lives Matter. Yes. And also, please pay for movies. Do not torrent them because mm. our whole industry depends on them. And also, please go to film festivals. Mm. That's all I have to say. (laughs) That's perfect. A perfect ending. Thank you so much again for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, thank you again for listening to this episode of the Greenlight Podcast. Thank you to our writers who came on, thank you to our actors who came on, we love you all. Make sure to like us and follow us on our various social media pages, TGL underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter, and... At Greenlight Pod on Facebook. Thank you, Lauren. Knew I was going to forget if she didn't say it. (laughs) 
And if you want to hear your play, screenplay, or music on this podcast, feel free to send all of those submissions to tglsubmit at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Patreon now. Yay! Yay! So if you can, if you want to, if you love us enough, please support <laughs> us on Patreon. Link in the description to everything that you heard in our description. Links Absolutely. in our description. And if yes. you want to make a one-time donation, uh, just out of the goodness of your heart, mm-hmm. then you can make those at tglsubmit at gmail.com on PayPal. Yes, once again, link in the description. And if you love this podcast, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Helps us move up the charts. Helps our podcast reach more people. Yes. Alrighty. Thank you so much again. Yes, and we... thank you so much to Nicholas Bafia for the sound equipment. We love you, Nicholas Bafia. We love you. And we love you all. Goodbye. Bye.